be looking at this text today. Hey, you know what? Going right along with our sermon today, uh, I want to give away a book, all right? So uh, I have one right here, and uh, this one's called Why Trust the Bible. It's by Greg Gilbert, and um, he uh, does a wonderful job, makes compelling arguments, support the trustworthiness of the Word of God. And so it's a good tool to, to train and to teach uh, believers why you can trust the Bible. So I've got to narrow it down a little bit, though. So today, if you memorized the fighter verse and stood up, okay, you're eligible for this book. All right, and all I got from there is the first hand I see up that qualifies. Miss Teresa did that. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, all right. We're talking about the Word of God today, and uh, because Paul was talking about the Word of God, as a matter of fact, he was speaking the Word of God, speaking the words of God. Here in this text is what we discover. And so I want us to uh, spend some time thinking about that and particularly how it's on the Word of God that Christians stand and endure. It's on the Word of God that Christians stand and endure. That we stand and endure what? Everything and anything that is opposed to Christ. Y'all may recall uh, in Acts chapter 17, we find the narrative that describes how Paul and Silas and Timothy came to Thessalonica and began preaching the word of God. We find there in that narrative that the Jews were jealous of the attention that these guys were getting and preaching the word. And so they stirred up citizens there in Thessalonica and they went after them. And so they went to the house where they were staying, which was Jason's house. They weren't there, so they drug him out and brought him out and said, these men that have been uh, stirring up the whole world, they've come here now. And they're talking about strange things saying things that are against Caesar that Jesus is king and Jason he's been housing them and then what we find here in 1 Thessalonians is Timothy, Timothy's report says you know what the persecution hasn't stopped the Jews still aren't happy with these Christians there's still things coming against them by means of the government. And Timothy says, but they're standing firm. They're standing firm, the Word of God. This was great news to Paul, so it provoked him to write this letter and to answer some questions that they had. One thing that we find out about the Word of God, not only is it true and can you trust the Word of God, but the, the Word of God is transforming. It transforms those who believe it. Transforms those who obey it. 
and in turn are obeying the word of God and obeying God. It's important for us as believers to always remember that we can trust the word of God. We can trust uh, the do that. We can trust this that we have. And I, I want us to remember that, but I also want us to remember that it transforms us. You know, Christians have been around for a long time. Some 2,000 years. God's people have been around for a long time. Thousands of years. Abraham was called to go to a place that God would show him. And they have endured because we have endured. Christians have endured because we have believed the word of God. Somebody's throwing microphones from inside the little thing here. Christians do not stand and endure because we're permitted to. Christians stand and endure because God's word is true and perfect and transforms those who believe it. That's why we stand and that's why we endure. Paul gives thanks to God here in verse 9. And he thanks God for what he has done in the lives of these Thessalonians. He thanks God that they heard the word, that they believed the word, and that they are living the word. And I want us to see that we can trust the word of God to instruct us, to guide us, to inform us as to what the will of God is and how we should live out the will of God. And that's one reason that Paul is laying this out. He had instructed them for a short time, perhaps around three months or so. But then they had to leave because of the persecution. They encouraged them to go. And so I want us to see the importance of the Word of God and how they came and proclaimed it. And I've got two main points I want you to hear. First of all, I want you to hear uh, that God's Word has been spoken. Secondly, I want you to hear that God's Word works in believers. The Word of God has been spoken, and God's Word works in believers. In the second century, there was a disciple of the Apostle John. His name was Justin. We know him as Justin Martyr. And he wrote a narrative, really as an apologetic, called Dialogue with Trypho. And there, the Jewish authorities, the Jewish and religious leaders, were arguing against this new sect that had come up and was proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah. And what they were accusing them of is they were accusing them of believing fables. You may recall that a story was concocted by the Jews after Jesus died on the cross to tell them that his disciples came and stole him away. 
one of the accusations even into the second century early second century was that that story was true and Justin said no it's not as a matter of fact we hadn't believed those types of things and I want to read to you a little bit from that discourse because there at the end it just encourages me to trust the word of God and that's what they were doing in the early second century amidst persecution and amidst false teaching he says to his opponent if you are willing to listen to an account of him Jesus how we have not been deceived and shall not cease to confess him although men's reproaches be heaped upon us although the most terrible tyrant compel us to deny him I shall prove to you as you stand here that we have not believed empty fables or words without any foundation but words filled with the spirit of God and big with power and flourishing with grace now he's talking about the word of God now they didn't have this like we have it today but they had the testimony of the gospel the testimony of the apostles and many things had been written and they were repeating them in the churches and they were saying the word of God is true and Justin wrote this to encourage Christians you stand on the word of God with that I want to enter into these two points that I have today beginning in verse 13 Paul writes and we also thank God constantly for this that when you receive the word of God listen to the, how it's broken down here when you receive the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is the word of God you heard it and you accepted it for what it is Paul is writing to believers men and women who had received the word of God he says when you received it you know while we were there while we were there in your midst and you received the word of God in other words uh, you listened intently to receive what it was saying he's saying they when you receive the word of God which you heard from us notice that now when we receive the word of God we often receive the word of God from the word of God that's how we receive it they didn't have this and Paul is making a huge point here and it's one we need to comprehend and understand that Paul is saying you received the word of God the gospel of Christ you heard it and you heard it from us what did they do they accepted it not as our opinion not as our words but as God's words you didn't receive it as men speaking to you but as God speaking to you what Paul is saying is we delivered through human words the word 
of God. How do you do that? Before we move to me explaining that, I want to go ahead and issue a little warning here. Don't misuse this text. Here's what I mean by that. Many people go around today claiming to be apostles. Paul was an apostle. And when he spoke, he was speaking the word of God. I'm going to tell you kind of how that happened here in a moment. Oftentimes, they're usually on TV, by the way. They're apostle this, or they're apostle that, or that whatever. The apostle, the office of apostle no longer exists. And the authority that they had no longer exists. Okay? So I want you to understand something about what's going on here. He is exercising apostolic authority. And when he's speaking, he's not picking up the, the Bible and saying, Hey, let me tell you the Word of God. He's speaking the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. What I want you to, to grasp in this is that somebody... Let me just ask a question. Let me take a poll. Has anybody ever walked up to you and said, God wants me to tell you something? When somebody does that, get your Bible and hand it to them and ask them to turn to the text. Because God has spoken and here it is. There's no new word from God. He's given us all we need for life and godliness and hope and peace and everything. Okay? That's what I mean by don't misuse this text. And don't let somebody else misuse it. Hand them the word of God. Hand them the word of God. Now from there, what I want us to see is that Paul delivered through human words the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians doesn't break that out. But I believe we see it broken out in another text. And this is one thing I love about the Word of God. Okay? Is that the Word of God interprets itself. We don't have to make it up. We can look in the Word of God and say, what's he talking about here? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, okay? How is it that Paul could confidently say, the words I'm speaking in human language are the words of God, and you received them that way? You knew it was truth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to kind of break this down a little bit. I'm going to go 2, 1 through 5, and then 6 through 12, and then verse 13. Okay? So let me begin reading at verse 1, because I believe that he's kind of explaining how that is, that he can speak words, and they're the words of God. Not his, but God's word. 
And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except, here's the message. When Paul preached the word of God, this is the message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay? That's what he preached. That is the uh, word that's used in this. uh, That's the kerygma. Okay? That's the message preached. Christ crucified. I didn't come to you uh, knowing anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So here we have what the message is, Christ and Him crucified. And we have the presentation of that, all right? Not with lofty words, not with philosophical words, not with words of flattery, but words of power. And those words of power are attributed to the Spirit of God. Now, just so that we know that that is what uh, Paul was preaching in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, in verse 14, he says, For since we believe, here's what they believed, okay, that Jesus died, Christ crucified, and rose again, there's the gospel. Here's the message that they delivered. There's the word of God that Paul preached to the Thessalonians. Okay? That matches 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So we see the message and we see the presentation. It wasn't about how I, the words that I use so much as flattery or wise or understanding or uh, like the philosophers of the day. But I preached a simple message, and that is Christ crucified, which breaks into who Christ is and why he had to die, and that he didn't stay dead, and that he rose again. Okay? So we see, and that's by what? The power of the Spirit of God. Next, what we see is we see the origin and how Paul received that message how did he get it what's the origin of it verse 6 yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away verse 7 but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. What's that? That's the gospel. That's the intent that Jesus Christ would redeem lost men. That he would be the redeemer. That he would be the savior. When was that? What's the origin? When did, he, when did God decree that? He decreed that before the foundations of the world. He's saying, we impart a secret in hidden wisdom. By the way, I want you to know something. It's not secret anymore. 
It's the gospel, all right? It's not hidden anymore. It's the gospel. We proclaim it. And so as he goes on, he goes, none of the rulers of this age understood this. They didn't know this divine plan. They didn't know and understand the coming of Messiah and that he would die on a cross. They didn't understand these things. And Paul's saying this as a good thing. Because look what he says after that. For if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And folks, if Christ is not crucified, we are done for. All right? We have no hope whatsoever. And so he's saying, this was secret. This was hidden, if you will. It was known throughout the ages in terms of uh, being passed down. I mean, Genesis 3.15, God says it. Hey, you're going to bruise his head, he's going to crush you. Or bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. There's the gospel right there. But here he's saying, man, if they'd understood, they wouldn't have killed him. But as it is written, verse 9, What no eye has seen, nor heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And then he says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. How did Paul get his message? Through the Spirit. Okay? Through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts, except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God who dwells in me as a believer. He, that's not there, but that's the implication. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? that we might understand the things freely given us by God for what purpose? To impart them. To make them known. What Paul's saying here is that the, uh, he received the message by the Spirit of God. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and Jesus taught him the gospel. He learned the gospel. He verified the gospel that he was taught with the apostles later on. And he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in him. And so in verse 13, we see how he dispenses that message. And we impart this in the spiritual stuff, the spiritual truth that we received by the Spirit of God, this spiritual truth that finds its origins before the foundation of the world. This spirit, the, 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 these, these words, that this truth of spirit that, uh, that the guys who killed Christ didn't know, we now impart it, how? Words. Words. What Paul say back in 1 Thessalonians? Uh, you received the word of God which you heard from us, not as words from men but words from God. God's Word. God's Word. And so Paul is saying, man, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but it's saying the same thing, you'll see it, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting 
spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. By what means? Words. And so we see this beautiful truth. God's word has been spoken, he says. And what did they do? They believed it. It says here, they accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. We can trust the word of God, given by the spirit of God, written, spoken, Men wrote as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. And so we look at this word and we say, we can stand on this. We can stand on this. Hey, young people, you can stand on this today and tomorrow and forever. You don't need what comes out in social media. You need the Word of God. You don't need what comes out in the philosophies of men. You need the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. And Lord, grow our hearts that we may love it and long for it more. And the Word of God is just so precious and it's it's broader than anything we can think of. I mean, it does so much. So much is found there. And there's this writing here that I'll, I'll read to you for a moment. Listen to what it says. It says, The Bible is the Word of God, the law of God, the command of God, the promises of God, the revelation of God, the correction of God, the instruction of God, the power of God. By His Word, all creation came to be. Armies fall, nations tremble, mountains quake. When he speaks, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, and the dead are raised. By his word, captives are set free, sinners are made saints, the wicked are made righteous. His word is truth. By it we discern right and wrong, good and evil, sin and righteousness, and the signs of the times. As we proclaim it, we destroy strongholds of the devil and the philosophies of man. When we read it, meditate on it, and memorize it, we are sanctified, purified, cleansed, and washed. When it is preached, believers are built up, encouraged, strengthened, renewed, revived, and regenerated. Within its pages are words of love, words of hope, words filled with grace, words of comfort, and words of peace. By it, we discover our origin, our problem, our hopelessness, our demise apart from Jesus Christ. Of God, we learn His eye is always seeing, His ear is always hearing, His spirit is always speaking, His hand is always reaching, and His love is never-ending, and He is never-changing. Jesus is revealed to be our Redeemer, Savior, King, and Substitute. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace. You can listen to it, read it, receive it, speak it, teach it, proclaim it, observe it, and obey it. Some have tried to add to it, take away from it, revise it, revile it, and burn it. But they can't get rid of it because the grass will wither and the flower will fade. But His Word will stand forever. We can trust the Word. Of God. Paul proclaims this word and he says, Man, y'all believed this as the word and words of God. And then he said, Which is at work in you believers? You believed it. 
the word of God is at work in you believers. We know that because rocks to the head aren't changing your mind. Why can Paul confidently say that the word of God is at work in these believers? Verse 14 helps us to see that. Look what it begins with. For. What does that mean? Let me explain to you. Because. Here's how we know. Here's how we know that the word of God is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. He says there, you became in imitators. They heard the truth and they believed. That's a mark, by the way, of someone who is in Christ that they believed Paul goes on to say there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 19 the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ you see that the natural person can't understand this they have to be they have to be brought to a place of understanding by the spirit of God Jesus uh, speaks of this in John chapter 8 in John chapter 8 um, of course he's he's talking with the Jews and they're not happy with him and they're fixing to be less happy with him because he's fixing to say before Abraham was I am they know what that meant but in chapter 8 verse 47 he says this whoever is of God hears the words of God isn't that great the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God whoever hears Whoever is of God hears the words of God. Look at uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Verse 37. Here he is before Pilate. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Hey, Thessalonians, you know why you heard us? You heard us because you are of the truth. You heard us because you are of God. God awakened you. Not only that, we see that in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes and says as you have always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure what's his good pleasure don't grumble don't dispute 
but instead, verse 15, be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. It transforms us, the word of God. The gospel changes us and transforms us and makes us new. They heard the truth and they believed the truth and so he can confidently say the word of God is at work in you believers because you heard it and you believed it number one number two why can Paul confidently say that the word of God is at work in these believers he says there in Verse 14, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You became imitators. He said that once before already in this letter, didn't he? Go back over to chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 4. I'll start in verse 4. It's in verse 6. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. He's saying the same thing he said in chapter 1 in chapter 2. And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with a joy in the Holy Spirit. They endured suffering with joy. They became imitators of Paul and Silas and Timothy. They said, we've believed God's word. Let us imitate his word now. Let us walk in a way worthy. He's telling them that later on, that they walk in a worthy manner, worthy of God. So God works in believing. He works in us. So they became imitators of the apostles over in chapter 1, verse 6, with joy. And that joy, by the way, is not set in circumstances. That joy is set and established and confirmed in future hope and the promises of God that those who are in Him will spend eternity with him forever. And so we see that they endured suffering with joy. Hey, you know, I mean, can you see them? They get knocked upside the head and, and they say, you know what, we're going to imprison you. Okay, well, take me to prison. You know what, we're going to kill you. He's kind of like, man, you just don't understand. After I'm dead, I'm with Jesus, man. Paul said, hey, to live is Christ. To die is gain. What kind of joy is this Stephen Curtis Chapman penned in his song? I can't remember the name of the song. What kind of joy is this that counts it a blessing to suffer? What kind of joy is that? It's joy that rests in the gospel of Christ and the promise of God of all eternity with him. And there's nothing better than that. Nothing. 
they endured suffering with joy and they endured suffering like those in Judea it says here for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews as they did from the Jews of course we're looking at the apostles but then later on we're looking at uh, Christians being run out and they being scattered and by the way who do you think was responsible for that the guy writing this letter he said we got run out of Philippi here a while back he's already told them that he said you've endured this suffering and you've stood folks I want you to know that we can stand on the word of God and we can endure because of the word of God and I, I want to give you just this acronym that actually spells nothing, okay? Don't you love those? I mean, you can't come up with anything. It's APTAT, okay? I got it from uh, 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 back in 2011. I was at a Desiring God Pastors Conference, and, and uh, somebody asked John Piper, you know, uh, what, how, do you, how do you prepare for, for preaching? Not, not just preparing your sermon but I mean getting ready and getting up there because I want you to know I, I don't know some people maybe not have this okay some preachers might not have this but I'm a wreck before I get up here and I'm a wreck while I'm up here okay and, and so the question came from that place of just the the, the uh, what's been entrusted to those who preach how do, you, how do you get up there and just lay it out there? And he laid these things out. And so, uh, you know, and I, I want to just kind of give, I've kind of adapted them a little bit. I've put scripture with them. And so I, I want to give you these things so that when you face trouble and trial, when you face fear, when you face the unknown, when you come up against things that are hard, Anybody ever come up against anything hard? Yeah. Then you have something that says, okay, this is where I'm going. And we find it right here, okay? So let me just give you these, these five things. First of all, I used to have these in my Bible, and I've changed Bibles since then. I never put it back in, but I do it anyway every Sunday morning. I sit right down there on that pew, and y'all see me probably. You know, he's still writing a sermon down there. Yeah, I probably am. And, uh, but, but I'm also contemplating, I'm thinking, and I'm going through this list right here. And so the first thing, when you, when you face difficulty and it's challenging and you need the word of God to speak and you need to stand firm and you need to endure the first thing is A admit I can't in myself do what needs to be done can't do it cannot get up here and preach if it's going to count on me only you can go ahead and turn to John 15 because all of the scripture comes out of there John chapter 15 Jesus says in verse 4 
abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing got this to walk through abide in me trust me admit you can't do it apart from me second P A-P-T-A-T Aptat I don't know pray for God's help pray for God's help Lord I can't do this without you is there anything that you can do without God no no your next breath counts on him So in verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, what words do you think that is? Okay? It's these words. These words. Look what he says next. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Pray. Pray for God's help. Let me clarify. Ask whatever you wish. If God's words are in you, and you're abiding in Christ, you're going to ask according to His will, not according to your whim. Okay? You will ask according to His will, not according to your whim. And so, uh, pray. Man, I can, I can trust the Word of God. He's speaking to me right now. I can pray and I can ask Him according to His will. And He hears me. I can't do it. I can ask God for help. And I will trust the promise He has given. I don't really have to go beyond this because it's fixing to get covered here in verse 8. By this is my, fa my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Anybody disciples of Jesus in here today? Raise your hand. Huh? Okay. Ooh, I thought there were more. What does it say? And prove to be my disciples. How? Fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. I trust that's what you've called me to. You've called me to bear fruit, not only to proclaim the gospel, but to become more like you. And you've promised you would be with me in doing that. Next, A, act. I act to do whatever God is calling me to do. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Y'all know how much comfort there is in those words? Because if it was up to me to choose him, I wouldn't choose him. Man, my sinful flesh would go running in the opposite direction. But he chose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I act and do whatever God is calling me to do. It should be said, 
that here in John, Jesus is giving his disciples specific instructions. They apply to them. And by implication, they apply to every disciple of Jesus. The last thing, T, I thank him for his help when I am done. I did that this morning right here in the pew. And I'm going to give him thanks when I get down. But tomorrow your day is going to be filled with something that you need God's help with. It could simply be the act of getting out of bed. But you could do nothing apart from Him. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. I can trust Him. I can trust the words of God. I can trust the authority of the Word of God. And I can lean into Him every single day. And I can trust that where the God says, where the Word of God says, a mighty fortress, He is a fortress. I almost started the hymn. That would be the hymn. But the Word of God describes Him as a fortress, a bulwark, one who never fails. And I am so thankful that we can trust every word that he has given to us. Father, we want to thank you that we, Lord, can stand firm and fearless and endure like this church at Thessalonica. We can stand, Lord, and we can even ask Questions that have filled with great hope. Hey, Timothy, ask Paul, when's the Lord coming? They knew that, and they had great hope in that truth. And so do we. So do we, Lord. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us find great joy in obeying your word day in, day out, in every circumstance, whether it be small or large. God, that we never turn away from your word, that we would not make excuses, Lord, of why we can't read it, memorize it, study it, meditate upon it. Father, help us live our lives with the word of God coursing through our hearts and minds. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.